The following is for information purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. All opinions and views expressed by the contributors to this podcast are in a personal capacity only. They do not represent the views of Progressive Equity Research or any other organisation mentioned in this podcast. Money never sleeps, pal. Morning, Gareth. Hi, Jerry. 2nd of February and end of the week, I thought we could have a chat of what's been going on. Yeah, hoping the world's feeling a bit better. As we head into 2024, things feel like they're beginning to pick up a bit. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree with that. It's been a week of non-events around interest rate decisions. I guess the inferences from the uh, Fed, the ECB and the Bank of England is that rates are going to, they're not coming down now and they might not be coming down in the very near future. Um, I thought Fed Chair Powell was rather nervy at his press conference, but the message was clear that they weren't going to be rushed into a decision to bring rates down and they as ever need more data. Got to have the data. data. The inflation indicators we've had this week from the US and Europe generally indicate a benign environment, although frustrations, obviously, that they're not coming down faster. You know, I think the soft landing, the immaculate disinflation is on target. And we get another data point for that later today, where we get the non-farm payrolls, the US employment data, which is sort of the daddy of the um, labor data in the US. And I think people will be watching for what job growth and the unemployment situation in the States is like. And uh, the expected figure is for 180,000 new jobs. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Oil prices, we had a bit of a spike up uh, over concerns about what's happening in the Red Sea and the wider implications for conflict in the Middle East. Uh, The oil price poked its head up to remind us that the fight against inflation can't be taken for granted. The the idea that you're going to somehow cure a supply chain disruption by increasing interest rates above where people already expected them to be just doesn't make any economic sense to me. No. And meanwhile, particularly from an energy perspective, the US has knocked the lights out in terms of oil and gas production. And our dependence on uh, the Middle East for our energy, particularly in the West, has lessened. And I think that's why we're not seeing a spike in energy costs. No, that's good to see. Where matters, I think, are a concern is China, which as an equity market, as financial markets, remain volatile this week amidst demands for more measures to mitigate against the sluggish economy and boost asset prices. And the the event of this week, I suppose, the highlight or low light is that uh, China Evergrande enters a period of liquidation. And this is just evidence that I think we knew was coming of structural problems within this huge asset class, uh, which is uh, Chinese residential real estate. And it's definitely adding to the deflationary impulse to the Western economies right now. Yeah. So closer to home, we've mentioned the Bank of England decision being a non-event, but we've also had positive news from the housing market in the UK, which is totally in line with what Alistair Stewart of Progressive has been saying for over a year now, that he felt that the UK residential property market would remain robust during this period of rising interest rates. And Nationwide duly reported that house prices in the UK went up in January by 0.7 of 1%. 
Mm, yeah. uh, and they said that while a rapid rebound in activity or house prices in 2024 appears unlikely, uh, the outlook is growing a little more positive. So, yeah, and you'd think that consumers or potential house buyers everyone's now looking at when interest rates are coming down rather than any huge risk or likelihood of them rising. So in that environment, people will be starting to get out their mortgage calculators and see what they can afford at these or slightly lower rates. So at least there's a sort of a broad-based comfort across potential house buyers that rates shouldn't be getting much worse than they are now. So whatever you can afford today should be affordable into the future. Absolutely. And um Mortgage approvals have risen for the third consecutive month, as reported in December. So, yeah, there are signs, you know, we're still bumping along the bottom if you look at it on a longer term basis. But absolutely, things aren't getting worse and people can look forward now. Um, I think Zoopla also reported that um, sales volumes have risen 13% year on year since the start of the year, although well below the the five-year average. But one has to be just slightly wary around the wider aspects of the global banking industry, because while the UK is looking benign and things are starting to head up, there are some ominous signs emerging from the banking sector generally of increasing pain in the real estate lending. This is mainly commercial real estate from the US. I mean, it hasn't been widely reported, but there are some emerging signs not in the mainstream media anyway, but mm. tucked away in the financial press, we had a, the Community Bank of New York, which, um, it, as the name might suggest, is a US regional bank. Its share price fell 50% on Wednesday this week, right down from its exposure to US commercial real estate. Deutsche Bank has quadrupled its provisions against bad loans in the same area. And Japan's Azura Bank, which I'd never heard of, did the same thing based on its exposure to US commercial property. This looks like uh, it could represent the cracks in the banking system and sort of has echoes of the regional bank crisis of last year, which got everyone quite worked up and did have a big effect on financial markets. So I don't think we're there at a rerun yet, but I think it's something that one can't ignore. Certainly keep an eye on it. Yeah, that's for sure. The final thing this week is we've got to pay attention, obviously, to the Magnificent Seven, which is such a huge part of global equity markets, these seven AI wonder stocks in the States. Five of them had results this week and overall broadly positive, and the shares ended up on the week overall. There was obviously differences between them, but the standout winners from yesterday were Meta and Amazon. I think there's a bit of a China cloud hanging over Apple, but broadly the results were well received and share prices went up. So the momentum, even from the top in the equity market, is pretty positive. Yeah. And if that soft landing can be achieved, then that will be good, not just for those magnificent seven, but more broadly as well. So hopefully that can, can filter out over time. Well, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think if the soft landing is achieved and rates can be reduced as we go through this year, yeah, I think the relative winners will be the smaller companies. I think yeah. it, we've had the sort of dry run of that, you know, in the fourth quarter of last year, where we had this massive expectation shift to lower rates, which, okay, it's been put on hold a bit in the last week. But I think the latent potential is there for yeah. a shift from large to small dispersion of returns through equity markets as we get closer to the, uh, the these actual rate cuts. Yeah, completely agreed. Should we talk about the UK and some of the, the company news that we've seen across the week? Yeah, it's been quite quiet, but there's a bit going on. 
So for me, I, I noticed um, STV is one of the Progressive's clients. They had a, an interesting little deal increasing their stake in a, in a business called Two Cities, which is a production business uh, which benefits from the, the nations and regions style of UK content procurement, where effectively places outside of London and outside of England are being favoured for, for procurement. And, and this, this business, Two Cities, uh, was one that STV took a small stake in a few years back They've increased that stake to, I think, just over 50%, um, which I think is a, is a nice signal that they, they're they pleased with their strategy of taking small early stakes in these businesses and then building them up over time. Um, also suggests that that one in particular is doing well. So it's a, I think it's a nice example of, of STV as a group managing its risk and, and investing in a, a wide range of small businesses and, and building those stakes over the years as they see them perform. So it seems like a, it's, a, it's a good strategy from STV, which certainly in the case of two cities is working well um, and hopefully helps underpin the, the, the very strong performance that we've seen from the STV Studios division over a number of years. So hopefully there's more to come for from that. Yeah, it's the part of the business that has seen the benefit of the huge increase in TV content coming from the very top with Every, all the big yeah. US players wanting to uh, having huge budgets for their streaming platforms to create um, and fund new content. It seems yeah. to be a, a rich theme for yeah. STV, which, which they've managed very well. Yeah. I noticed private equity investment trust Chrysalis announced earlier this week that it's um, increasingly confident about the backdrop of markets that we've talked about earlier should increase the possibility of exits for its investments. So Chrysalis takes quite big, punchy positions in mature businesses uh, or more you know, they're definitely private equity stage companies rather than venture capital stage companies and have been, had a good track record of uh, listing these companies but clearly the major headwind for them or one of a couple of major headwinds for them has been the absence of an IPO market so they said that they saw the uh, recent market strength triggered by yields falling in response to better inflation data exactly the sort of thing we've been talking about should be co- considered encouraging and the chrysalis share prices continue to perform strongly from uh, evaluation of their portfolio by the public market of complete disbelief, i.e. being on a sort of 50% plus discount to NAV, to one that's recovering quite strongly now. So that's that's an encouraging sign, I think. Mm. Fingers crossed on that one. And I think you'd taken a look at FDM. Yeah, I was just going to say, so FDM is a stock that we know indirectly through one of the brokers that we, we deal with. I think FDM is a great business and it's 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 always been well run and, and very strategically managed. And I think FDM is an interesting sort of case study at the moment because they provide effectively junior level IT resource recruits into some very large customers. So m- most of the major banks, um, investment banks, public sector organizations and sort of enterprise customers in, in most sectors. FDM has a very wide range of, of corporate clients of that type, and they've for many years provided well-trained mathematical or STEM subject graduates into those clients in bulk to help those organisations fill gaps of 20, 40, 60 people at the lower end of their IT organisations. They put out an update saying that things essentially haven't got any worse than they were at the back end of last year when they had a, an update in November. And as a business, they're starting to see some signs that their big customers are at least you know, committing to what they call master service agreements, where they're getting ready to procure these projects and, and get these things moving again. And I think that overall, they felt that the business was starting to see some early signs of that recovery. I wouldn't want to put words in their mouth that they're very cautious and sensible about it, but it's, it's, it doesn't seem to be getting worse. This week, I attended a typical broker event 
It was called Overlook Smaller Companies in the Technology Space. That wasn't the title, but that was the theme of the event. And I am, I'm not joking. I, I went because I thought, I said I'd go. And I thought if I didn't go, I'd probably only one of a dozen people who'd bothered to turn mm. up. You'd be missed. Yeah. Uh, I, my, my presence might be missed. So I went and it was almost standing room only. There must have been 50 wow. people in the room. Seven very interesting companies, management teams presenting. Uh, lots of questions, lots of people engaged. And thinking about it, you could have been 70 companies presenting yeah. you know, in terms of overlooked uh, small cap companies of the UK market. So I just thought it was um, interesting, uh, straw in the wind of yeah. reviving investor interest in what I think is a, or I think we believe is a value laden part of the stock market, not just, yeah. you know, just globally, not just the UK. No, there's definitely opportunity there. And if, if investors, you know, begin to pay more attention and, and if, if they're seeing inflows into their funds rather than outflows for a change and they're looking for places to invest that capital, then that's great. So it's a very positive sign as we move into the, uh, the rest of the first quarter. Okay. Good positive note to end on. It is indeed. Good stuff. Okay. Thanks a lot. Talk Speak to you soon. soon. Thanks. Brought to you by Progressive Equity.